Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for one another. We thank you for worship and for time to gather in your house. We pray now that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today. Lord, just move me out of the way. We want to hear from you as we read your word. Strengthen us now to receive with joy what you say to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you, would you mind standing as we hear the gospel reading this morning, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Let us hear the word of God. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. And so we say, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? It is a question of 
limiting our obligation, isn't it? That's the root of this question. Sometimes we all like to ask questions like this. What is the least I can do? What's the least I can do and still be considered neighborly? (laughs) What is the least I can do, especially as it relates to hospitality? There's only so much hospitality to go around. We must dole it out carefully lest we waste some on the wrong person accidentally. Who is my neighbor? What is the least I can do? Jesus answers with a parable. There was a man, he says, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. There's a picture of the road from Jerusalem to Jericho on the front of your up and coming. I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see what it looks like. The road is called the bloody way, the bloody way, partly because of the red rock, but mostly because mostly because of all the blood shed on that road. It is 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. It drops 3,300 feet through some of the most desolate, rocky, unhospitable terrain in the whole Judean desert. Our friend, our friend would have left Jerusalem. Those of you who've just come from there, you, you will have this in your mind. They left Jerusalem, went out across the Kidron Valley, went up past the Garden of Gethsemane on the left and over the Mount of Olives. You remember that view. Some of you do. It's not nearly as far as we think in our minds to go down and up and over the Mount of Olives. That's what our friend would have done as he left Jerusalem. On the other side of the Mount of Olives, there's a little town there. The last stop, Bahirim is the name of it. It's the last Bucky's on the way to Jericho. You got to stop there and get you uh, some barbecue before you go down to Jericho. Once you start down, 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 olive groves and grape vineyards give way to dry, rocky cliffs and expansive desert views of vast emptiness. That's what you see as you go. The people who inhabited these cliffs were dangerous. Our friend going down from Jerusalem to Jericho was easily overtaken by a band of thieves left for dead on the side of the bloody way. Everybody in the crowd expected this is what's going to happen. You can just hear him say, oh, no, he should not have gone by himself. He should not have gone down that road by himself. It's like when you watch a horror movie and you all, you just want to say, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. That's, that's exactly how they would have felt listening to Jesus tell this story. What they didn't expect, what they didn't expect was that the two holiest people who knew God's law better than anybody else, the priest and the Levite, they would not have expected them to shockingly pass by on the other side. They wouldn't have expected that. Maybe they were uh, in a hurry. Maybe they thought he was already dead. Maybe they needed to stay clean for their priestly duties or something like that. The people, I'm sure, tried to make all kinds of excuses for these religious people who passed by on the other side, but they really... There really aren't any excuses. They just, they just forgot to care. That's what they did. They forgot to care. The listeners sure did not expect Jesus to add yet another wrinkle to this story. Who is the hero in this story? Who's the hero? The Samaritan. A Samaritan. Now, this is their favorite race of people to hate. These were the half-breeds the 'er ne'er-do-wells who were always getting in the way of God's chosen people. When Jesus first said those words, but a Samaritan came near, you can bet that the crowd thought, oh, he's probably going to stab him to death and steal the gold right out of his teeth because that's just how those people are. That's probably what they thought when they heard, but a Samaritan came near. But that's not what happened. Jesus says, 
the Samaritan was moved with pity, tending to this man with a kind of care and concern that's normally reserved for those in your own home. He pays for it all right out of his own pocket. The disciples now probably realize Jesus is telling this story just as much for their benefit as for the lawyer who asked the question. Do you remember what happened back over in Luke chapter 9? Do you remember that little story? Jesus and his disciples have just come through a village. What kind of village was it? A Samaritan village. They just came through a Samaritan village which did not receive Jesus even though he was willing to stay with them and teach them and be with them. James and John were there and they said, this proves our prejudices and stereotypes. These people really are just as unclean and worthless as we thought. They say, they say to Jesus, Jesus, shall we command fire from heaven to come down and consume this village? Shouldn't we do that, Jesus? Shouldn't we get rid of these people who are worthless and unclean? Jesus rebukes them, and they just kind of move on. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus returns to the tainted hearts of his own disciples. Sometimes, sometimes even Christ followers need a refresher lesson in love and neighborliness. Even Christ followers sometimes love to group people, to label them, to mark them as in or out or good or bad or with us or against us, <laughs> like the lawyer. Sometimes we want Jesus to limit who is our neighbor, like the disciples. Sometimes we would command fire from heaven to come down and consume those whom we have deemed unclean, rather than to do the hard, hard work of love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus tackles the essence of our sin in this parable. Selfishness and self-preservation at the cost of another I know you get that. I know you've heard this parable a thousand times, but I really want you to hear it one more time in a way Jesus might tell it to us today. A Lutheran pastor wrote this retelling of the Good Samaritan about 40 years ago. I've updated it just a little bit for us this morning, but I want you to hear this parable again with modern ears. A faithful priest went out the Jericho Road he saw somebody hurt and was mortified, deeply concerned. He rushed to that person's side and gave them the last rites. And the following Sunday, he gave a very fine sermon about the dangers of the Jericho Road, and he felt so much better having done it. Then there was a good pastor who went down the Jericho Road and was appalled by what she saw there. It was awful, awful on the Jericho Road, all of the poverty and the violence. She came back to her church and she taught a class, a Bible study, biblical understanding of poverty and perspectives. They showed films of people being beaten up on the Jericho Road. Everybody felt awful after they went through the class, but they also felt good that they'd finally done something for the people of the Jericho Road. There was still another fellow. He didn't actually go to the Jericho Road, but he saw it on Instagram. 
He saw it there and he shared it with thousands of other people and they all got on TikTok and did videos with songs and prayers and dances. You should have seen how beautifully they sang and prayed about the plight of the people on the Jericho Road. Hundreds of thousands of people saw that on the TikTok. This caught the attention of a left-wing activist who went right to the Jericho Road and was angered by what he saw there. He came back and organized demonstrations in all the cities. He got everybody out of the colleges and universities and they marched on the Capitol. Yes, they were very active on behalf of the people of the Jericho Road, calling for, for change, calling for... They had blue hats made, little blue hats that said, make the Jericho Road safe again. That's what they did. And they went all over the place wearing those those blue hats. So this, this caught the attention of a congresswoman from the political right. She went down to the Jericho Road to see for herself, and she saw the moral decay on the Jericho Road. And she said, oh, we got to do something. we got to fix this. we got to get these people back to work and fix their economy. So what did she do? Well, she lowered the taxes on the rich so they'd have more money to create jobs for the poor, and she increased the taxes on the middle class so that everybody could enjoy paying for the cost of making the Jericho Road safe again. That's what she did. She had a red hat made that said, make the Jericho Road safe again. That's what they did. While all these people were busy fighting with each other about what to do, the man on the Jericho Road, he died. He just died. Here is the lesson of the Good Samaritan for us today. With all our wisdom and technology and connection and time-wasting bickering, do we not find so many creative ways to pretend to care about our neighbors without actually having to care? Do we not forget to care? Do we forget to love our neighbor as we love ourselves? Or perhaps do we love our neighbor exactly as we love ourselves in a very distracted, self-critical, bitter, and anemic sort of a way? May I say to you today that if you struggle with judgment and criticism and condemnation and a chronic case of I don't have time to care about that, <laughs> you may not have actually heard the good news of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. You may not have heard it. You may not know in the depths of your being that God loves you, that God sent his son to teach you the way of life, to save you from the way of death, to die for your sin and selfishness, that God then raised this Jesus up to newness of life so that God could raise all of us up to newness of life too, a life full of faith, hope, and love, which expects nothing in return. There is such joy in living this way. This is the thing that we call salvation, and it starts long before you die. Once we get this big rock of God's love for you and for all people in place, why, then we can begin to truly love the Lord our God with our whole self. You can begin to love your neighbor as you love yourself and the world around you will start to get just a little better as you and I stop forgetting to care in the name and power of Jesus. And who is my neighbor? They are all your neighbors. 
And you, church, wherever you are, you must be the place where they feel the love of Jesus best because you care and it shows. Now that is some radical hospitality. Let's be about that as we go forward from this place. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.